Just in and so good. Thousands of summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack Store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joe's, Marc Jacobs, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. But hurry for first dibs. Get your summer favorites up to 60% off at Nordstrom Rack today. Great brands, great prices. That's why you rack. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. Because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. And also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your crave. All right. Beautiful. Okay. What could go wrong? <laughs> that actually should have been the name of my podcast. What could go wrong? What could go wrong? <laughs> Uh-oh. He's important. I'll call him back. <laughs> Welcome to the NASCAR NBC podcast. I'm your host, Nate Ryan, with Steve Letarte. Steve, thanks for being here. Hey, thank you. Thank you. It's a uh, exciting red-eye Monday after a late night home from Phoenix. I'm impressed. You look uh, pretty wide-eyed. You look pretty good yourself. Probably neither of us as good as Denny Hamlin, who wins at ISM Raceway to advance to the championship round and joined his teammate Kyle Busch, teammate Martin Drex Jr., and Kevin Harvick. And I'm glad you're here, Stevie, because it feels to me like Chris Gabehart is the Steve Wattart to Denny Hamlin that you were to Dale Earnhardt <laughs> Jr. in a way. Because I, I wouldn't c- downgrade the poor guy to that level. Well, no, but, no. Uh, no, I mean, Chris I see Gabehart, parallels here, you know? Uh, yeah, Chris Gabehart and Denny have found a way to do it on their own. I think you saw it with the swagger. Um, I disagreed with the final pit call as soon as it happened. I right. thought he had a huge gap of lap cars. He could have put on four tires. I, I can't say he would have been the first car off pit road. He could have been the first car off pit road, maybe only beaten by the 21. Um, I would take that position every day. Gabe Hart stood there, made the call, and then and then kind of let his guard down in victory lane after and said, yeah, my heart was pounding. I didn't know if that was the right call, but that's what we were going to do, and that's what I did. And you know what? Listen, I have no problem saying I disagree when I disagree, and I have no problem raising my hand and saying, you know what? I apparently was wrong because two tires did work, and it was impressive. And to back to your original statement, Denny you know, just believed in it and, and made it right. happen. Right, and that's kind of been emblematic, I think, of why this relationship has worked so much. And the reason that Gabe Hart reminds me of you with Dale Jr. is Gabe Hart comes in, and he has this accountability. He has this, we're, we're going to do things differently. We're going to hold everybody to higher standards. Not that the team wasn't capable of winning or contending for championship before, but there was something missing. And Denny talked about it a little bit yesterday, that they're not best friends off the track, but the, clearly the professional side works and Gabe Hart believes in him, I think, the way you believed in Dale Jr. at a time when Dale Jr.'s confidence was a little bit low. I think Denny's confidence was a little bit low coming off last year, and it's worked well between them. Completely. I think um, you know, Gabe Hart believes in Denny at times more than Denny may believe in Denny. That's um, not a placebo. I mean, that's real. I mean, sometimes people that are extremely skilled or talented in whatever they do lose their way and forget why they're so good at something. Uh, and it's hard for us that don't have that skill to explain it. I can't drive a race car. I can't. I'm not a professional athlete. So sometimes, you know, that lack of ability helps me appreciate their ability, mm-hmm. helps me remind the driver, no, you're really damn good. Look at everything you've done. And um, Denny Hamlin this year on the track, off the track, 
in the media, uh, on social media, t- top to bottom, inside and out, is a different style driver than he once was. The one thing he didn't change, which I actually like, is he has the superstar swagger. Yes. yes. That some don't like and pick on him, and it's fine if you don't like it, and he's okay if you don't like it, which I think is great. But, um, you know, sports heroes become heroes because they're not mortals. They're, they're bigger than the people cheering them on, or they act bigger than. And Denny's that guy, right? He's got the Jordan band. He'll take a picture of his plane. He'll tell you how, how good he can be, not boastfully, but confidently. And I actually think in today's sports, we need stars like that. Yeah. There's going to be a group that don't like it. They're going to like the Ryan Blaney kicked back, you know, trucker hat and a cold beer, and that's great. Cheer for Ryan Blaney. But there's a group that I think yearn for some swagger. And yeah. if you're looking for swagger, you kind of have it. Well, we got it. We got both ends of the spectrum yesterday from Denny Hamlin. We, we got it certainly during the race, the way he dominated, the way he just took over, controlled it the second half, overcame the early restart problems, and won on two tires at the end. I'm going to get to that call in a minute. But we also heard it from him afterward. He was telling us, uh, on one hand, he's got this by-the-book, fly-right crew chief. You know, we're doing things differently this year. And But then he's also telling us, Denny Hamlin, that, Hey, I stayed in a mansion in Scottsdale this week <laughs> with Kyle Larson, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., and last night we played tennis until 1 a.m. 1 a.m. the night before maybe the biggest race of his career <laughs> to date. You mentioned he's got that swagger. Obviously, it works for him, and Gabehart, despite being who he is, sort of, I think, understands that, yes, we're going to inst- instill this accountability in this team, but we're still going to let Denny kind of be who he is in some ways, right? It Great works. coaches gr- coach their players to their strengths, skill sets, and preparation, and that's not linear. It's not the same for everyone. Um, you, you know, I think it's funny that they all work for Coach Gibbs, right, Super Bowl championship coach. For any football team, if anyone listening likes football, it takes such a variety of skill sets, talent, and personalities to have a successful 53-person roster at the NFL level. And I really feel that um, that's what we're talking about here, right? People can question how Denny prepared. It doesn't matter as long as – Gabe Hart feels that his driver's doing what he needs to do, and Denny feels like he's doing what he needs to do, then I'm not sure they really have to answer to anyone else. And and it takes – success helps a lot of this, right? If he goes out there and runs bad, they're like, yeah, well, maybe you should have been up to one in the morning. But you get to a point where – I mean, he's done this a long time. He's almost 40 years old. He's Mm -hmm. won a lot of races. I I don't think we can – I don't think it's fair to perhaps judge – how he decides to prepare at this point. It's easy to question a younger driver who hasn't found their way. But, I mean, Denny Ham, you know, we talk about the, the disappointment of the championship that got away. That was nine years ago. You know, it wasn't one or two. Yeah. That's a lot of races in nine years. You know, almost 300 races he's run since then. And I don't think he, he has a problem talking about it. Yeah, this is what I did. He doesn't have a problem talking about it at all. I actually want to get to that. And Gabe Hart heard what Denny Hamlin said Friday to us in the media center, essentially saying, hey, I'm okay with being the new Mark Martin. I'm okay. If we don't win a championship this year, I expect to win one. I want to win one. But if I get labeled end of my career as best active driver, best driver, maybe never to win a championship like Mark Martin, I'm okay with that. And Gabe Hart kind of took a little bit of umbrage to that and said, wait a second. Like, and this is where I think he's got this belief in him that 
I think you had in Dale Jr. that changed that and changed the direction of that team. It feels like Gabe Hart did this th- this year. And yes, it helps when you open the season by winning a Daytona 500. But what's it like, I guess, for a crew chief to hear that? I appreciate the candor from Denny Hamlin on one hand and that ability to be secure in himself. But on the other hand, you probably want him to, to say, hey, of course I'm going to be angry if I finish the career without a championship, right? And most important is I just want the driver to know that it's more than the race fans listening. You know, he's... His team hears that. His competitors hear that. Uh, the people he's going to have to race with and against hear that. Yeah. So, you know, I, I think where Dale and I had so much success is we preached authenticity. I am not Chad. I talk a lot more. I'm a little bit easier going. I don't have perhaps the same sort of uh, straightforward, fired-up demeanor in the garage area. You know, it's a different approach. And it took me years in my career to appreciate that that's okay. I can be me. I can't be a better version of Chad. He is the first version. Chad's the guy, right? Right. And I think that's what Gabe Hart's saying, and that's what Denny's saying, and, and that's what Dale and I learned about each other is this this authenticity of let's celebrate what we have for strengths. Let's admit what we have for weaknesses. Let's truly admit it so we can work on it. And that's what I see out of the 11 is that the areas where I thought they were weak, some some mental mistakes, putting themselves behind during races, they are starting to dwindle. Um, they're, you know, they, they don't get behind as often. They run up front more. They are, look more prepared in practice. The feedback looks instantaneous. You know, they, they improve their cars. So whatever magic that Gabe Hart and Denny have found together, it's working. And it's going to be – I said this. For, it's, it's impressive. So the Daytona 500 is bigger than anything I've ever been a part of. And I was thankful I was able to win one as a crew chief. And Denny has won two as a driver. Yet I feel – the Phoenix win was the biggest win of his career. Um, and I don't hold that. I, I qualify all that because I don't want to, you know, people think, oh, well, it's easy to say. No, no, I know what he's won. I see the resume. And I don't think it would have been that big if he would have had a good Texas and came in 24 points up and won at Phoenix. I'd have said, nah, no big deal. I mean, you know, it's a good win, but we'll just put that kind of in the list. But the fact that he self-admittedly made a mistake at Texas by himself, there was no one else around him, starting right away, it wasn't the track was too slick. It wasn't this. It was Not one time did you hear, well, the grass needs to be fixed. It tore up my car. All of the noise that could have very easily cluttered the quotes mm-hmm. didn't. He said, yeah, I messed up. If it's going to take a win, then we'll win. You know, not guaranteeing, but more stating the fact that, that he was going to bring everything he could bring to the table. And I, w- I mean, look, I was impressed. It was not straightforward. They lost track position a couple times. At Martinsville, they lost it, never regained it. At Phoenix, they lost it, and he – meandered his way back to the front, and it was like he was mentally ready when that final stage flew, he was gone. Like the first two stages, you saw good 11, but right, nobody jumped out and said, oh, he's going to be great. And there was a moment in time. They green flagged that final stage, and I think it was like, okay, no more guaranteed yellows, no more points, no more BS. We are 100 and something laps from a trophy by, and he drove to a 12-second lead. Yeah, and of course, Logano, Joe Logano's problems had something to do with that as well, but I, I want to get to that, but first, I just want to put a bow on, on the Gabehart tire decision, and as you mentioned, I mean, w- when that caution flew, Denny Hamlin stayed composed. He trusted in the fact that my team's putting two tires on when I'm yeah. sure other guys have been putting four tires on, and Gabehart said, hey, we, he said pre-race. Denny said this on our post-race show to, to Kyle, Kristen, DJ, that Gabe Hart told him, I might make the call that costs us this race, but we're going to have a list of plays that we're going to call if certain situations arise. So Gabe Hart is an analytics guy. Uh, Dustin Long has a great story today on NBCSports.com where he talks about this. He's a numbers cruncher. He's an engineer. So I'm sure he had these scenarios prepared, Stevie. But, I mean, you made the point on the race broadcast 
team's got a nine-second lead at that point. I, they well, you just saw how far he came off pit road in front of the 21. Right. They could have changed four tires and still been in the lead. So, right? that's, so let, that's the key. Let me be very clear. This isn't something I dreamt up. We dominated Las Vegas, 06, 7, 8, pitted from the lead with 15 lap cars behind me, Jimmy Johnson running second. I put on two tires. Jimmy puts on four. We absolutely should have and could have put on four tires and wouldn't have lost the lead. Jimmy Johnson beats me that day of Las Vegas. So I want to be clear that when I see this happen, it's not – Oh, I'm smarter. I thought, no, 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 no. You've experienced it. Yeah, well, I don't know what member David Reagan's quote was about it, but, you know, it's the school of hard eyes. It's a pricey tuition. Well, I lost the race because of this specific scenario. I didn't do it correctly. And my fear and my instant reaction yesterday is Gabe Hart made the exact same mistake I made. I still don't love the call, but I was wrong. It worked. And what I liked is, to your point, he didn't shy. He had a reason. It wasn't, well, I thought we needed to. No, no. He was very clear that we were going to control the race. We were going to control the restart. He felt that was a higher value than left side tires. You mentioned the analytics. He has broken them all down. He thought being the leader was a bigger advantage than I thought being the leader would have been. Hey, he's won six races in his first year as a crew chief. I've only won 15 in my career. I'm going to stick to TV, I think. <laughs> These guys are all getting pretty smart. <laughs> you guys are all doing pretty well at your jobs, I'd say. So while everything seemed to go right for Gabe Hart and Denny Hamlin, the opposite was true for Joey Logano and his crew chief, Todd Gordon. They ran a flawless first two races, Stevie, and had themselves in position to advance to defend their title at Homestead Miami Speedway. And then this mysterious pit stop in which they put a half pound of pressure in a tire somehow takes a race-winning car and puts it a lap down in the span of 40 laps. My heart bled. Um, there are so, – so these are things that used to happen more often. But with technology and, and, you know, becoming smarter, you see less and less good cars go bad. They may not be winning, but afterwards they can say, oh, we lost the handle, got a little tight, got a little this. Rarely do you see a team like Team Penske, talent like Todd Gordon and Joey Logano, just become baffled. Um, it has happened to me – I had the conversation with Burton. It's happened to him. We've all had it happen. This is the biggest stage I've seen it happen on yet. And my heart bled because there is no answer. You know, people are going to ask Todd Gordon what the answer is, and he is way more composed than I would be. There's been zero fingers pointed in any direction. He said, I took a half a pound out of the right rear. It should make it a little tighter. We went exorbitantly tight. I don't know if that's the adjustment. I have nothing else to blame. It seemed like they changed tires and it got better again. Here's the thing. They did it, and Kyle Busch deserves to be in, and I'm not going to take anything away from that. I, I hate whatever the issue was. It robbed the race fan of a great battle because Joey Logano, Kyle Busch lining up near each other was going to be an outstanding battle with Denny Hamlin leading. So as a race fan standing up in the TV booth, my, my heart bled for Todd Gordon because I'm like, I have been there, and this, this is the worst feeling in the world. I tried to analyze it because Rick Allen did a nice job and said, well, what does he, should he do? Should he pit early? Should he do this? And I said, no, you can't, you can't call your race over Denny Hamlin leading, half because I don't think you should and half because I, he can't. Um, they all did all they could, but in the end, we all got – a great race stolen from us. Yeah, I was. I was. Yeah. That, that's what I was saddest about. Because the first half of the race really was that the three guys battling for those last two spots were the three fastest cars. They and are. It seemed like we were setting I, I mean, up listen, this incredible finish. Everyone showed up for ninety percent of that race. Every playoff guy was inside the top eight until, and then the nine wrecked, and then it was seven in the top seven, and then Joey had his issue and it's six in the top six. Like they all showed up. Blaney, Larson, all of them found the day to be at their best. That's, that, as race fans, we should be thankful. Like, so I'm a baseball guy. I love baseball. I can't watch in August. 
man, there's like a hundred and something games. I, it's too many. Like I'm over it, right? Yeah. But there's nothing like playoff baseball. It's chess, pitcher against pitcher, pitcher against batter, manager against manager. And, and I feel like this playoff format has allowed us to see that in the playoffs. And we were getting ready to see a true toe-to-toe heavyweight battle, and it kind of got taken away from us a little bit. I just want to ask one more question on the 22 problem. I, I asked Todd Gordon, are you going to try to diagnose things with the car? And he said, there's nothing to diagnose. I just, I, you know, we, we got faster, like you said, when we, when we reversed the changes on the next run. Is it just simply a bad set of tires? Could it be there was a crew member who made a mistake? I mean, so it, I, I don't think anything, a crew or? member. I mean, you could absolutely, you could uh, assume a crew member made a mistake. I would imagine they double-checked the pressure coming off as long as the buildups are in the same range of everything else. Um, you know, I would verify that set of wheels, make sure you didn't have a bent wheel or something that maybe took away grip in the right front tire. Um, the tire, quote, bad tire thing, you know, good and bad. There are better tires than others, but they're all in a window because everything in the world isn't exact. Let's be clear, right? There's a window of grip, and, you know, maybe you got the magic set where the right front was the lowest on the window of grip and the left rear was the highest and it lined up tight. I don't know. If the car didn't find its speed again, there's a lot to diagnose. But the fact that they came in, made the adjustment, and the car picked back up to where it was, you know, that's one that I'm sure uh, Paul Harvey's not going to ever come out on this one. I mean, <laughs> it really isn't. It's, we'll we'll uh, never hear the other side, the rest of the story. Never, never hear the rest told. of the story on this one because I'm not sure we'll ever – I don't even think the competitors will know it. Crazy. Uh, let's look ahead on a couple of fronts, the first being we now have our championship four for the season finale this Sunday at Miami. Kevin Harvick and the three JGR cars of Truex, Hamlin, Kyle Busch. We were doing our NASCAR American production call today, and I heard, I think it was Jeff Burton said, none of these guys would surprise him if they won the championship. Same for you? I mean, is it it's <laughs> as wide open as it's ever been? It, Las Vegas agrees from everything I see. Yeah. It's like 5-2 to two and 14-5. to five. There are no favorites, clear cut. There's no long shots. There's no underdogs. It's amazing to me with all the perhaps factors that can work into this system. We have four absolute heavyweights going to Miami. I mean, it, it's it's um, yeah, nothing would surprise me. I yeah. mean, well, I guess what would surprise me if somebody dominated. I, I think it, you know, it would surprise me if all four weren't in the top four. That would be shocking to me. Right. Like right. that's how good I expect these guys to be. And especially if all four or all three of the Gibbs cars weren't running nose to tail, right? Because you you also have said that you expect they can't stop sharing information. The way Gibbs have things structured, they, they essentially have to share data, but there'll probably be a little bit of a difference in the relationship at the track, but, but they will be still having access to each other's information. So 07, I went to Miami with Chad Knaus as our number one competitor. We were first and second in points. In 09, I went, it was uh, Chad, Allen, and myself, one, two, three in points. So I've had this, I'm going to be clear, it was not in this format, knockout. There were points, leads, and different things, but mathematically, that was the people we were racing. And, and the foundation is there where you can't stop operating as usual, which is when I find something, I put it in my computer, and it gets put up on the web, and the cloud and everybody learns it. And so that sharing will always happen. What changed for us, and we had this conversation as an organization, is that, you know, when we unload Friday, I'm not going to walk down to Chad and say, hey, I put this shock on and it got better. You should try it. I absolutely would have in the other 35 weeks. Hmm. And I would have expected him to walk down and tell me the same. In Miami, it was dig through the notes. If you have a question, I'm, all, I'm here. Chad, I saw you made this change. Your car got better. Could you show me exactly what it was? Yes. But I had to go search out that information. It wasn't delivered to my desk like it would have been the other 35 weeks. And I think that's what the race fan deserves. I think that's what the crew chiefs deserve. That's what the drivers deserve. And I applaud 
Coach Gibbs for allowing it to kind of happen that way because for him it would be better off that they all played so nice he was more guaranteed to win. But I think he holds the, the sport in too high of a level that he's like, you know what, we got three here. I hope it comes here, but you have to let competitors go race. So things might be a little bit different between Cole Pern, Adam Stevens, and Chris Gabehart. The big thing weekend. I would like to know, and they'll never tell us, mm -hmm. is what it works during the race. Because, see, in my world, when it worked during the race, there was a big instant messenger, and you knew every adjustment that the other guy was yeah. going to make before he made it, so you could see how it affected his car. Um, I would have a hard time putting that information in during the race. Right? Like, we got here, right? There's three hours, like, sorry. <laughs> but if I find a tire pressure that fixes the car and I'm faster than you, I'm just not going to just pop it up on your computer screen. Every man for himself at Homestead Miami Speedway. And sadly for me, Stevie, because I think Homestead Miami Speedway has been a fantastic championship venue. This could be the last time for a while. We know that next year the title will be decided at the racetrack NASCAR just left, ISM Raceway near Phoenix. And frankly, uh, it's not a short track, but the racing that we saw at Phoenix was similar to what we saw at Martinsville. This package didn't seem so conducive to passing on short tracks. We heard drivers talk about this all year. Any solutions to that that NASCAR should look at? We know the rules are going to be the same next year. Could they look at different tire? Could they look at chopping the spoiler down a little bit? Is there anything maybe they could address there to, to change the action a little bit, knowing this is the title race next year? So... You know, I really need to go back and watch Phoenix because it was it, – I mean, Denny Hamlin made it a bad race. Right, I don't want to make it sound silly, but I'm like and, – and, and I want to say, like, how close was second to third and third to fourth and fourth right. to fifth? Right. Um, I haven't spoken to the drivers behind the wheel. So, first of all, let me say I am a big fan of uh, changing the final race. I think it should rotate, personally. I think it should be like the Super Bowl. It should be in a venue that, that maybe Miami for a couple – it has to be a weather thing, so it's not like it can go anywhere. Yeah. But take – I don't care, any non-restrictor plate racetrack that has good weather, and I think it has a chance to be the final race of the year. And it should have a downstream effect on what the other 10 races look like. There should be a Phoenix finale, plate 10 playoff races, a Miami finale, right? I think the competitors deserve it. I don't think it's fair to – whomever, pick a competitor that says, well, I'm just not good at, let's take Kyle Larson. He might be great at Miami, but there couldn't be a worse final round or round of eight. Right. So I think when it moves to Phoenix next year, the round of eight should look different. See, I think there should be a completely different run in the playoffs. If I was magically running it all, that's what my goal would be. Will that happen? I don't know. The racing specifically at Phoenix, I will be candid. It has looked like that for 15 years. I, I know people don't want to hear that, but mm -hmm. there have been moments. There was moments in yesterday's race. There was great racing at times. There was not good racing at times. There was long green flag runs. That happens at Phoenix. There's been fuel mileage races. I went there with car of tomorrows, car of today's, new cars, old cars, big spoilers, little spoilers, old track, new track, soft tire, hard tire. That's Phoenix. And I feel that we all have to just appreciate, I think, what we get. I mean, can it be made better? Yeah, I'm sure it can always be made better. I'm sure, you know, they, they sprayed the traction compound. I think that helped. Maybe it can be applied a little bit differently. Goodyear perhaps could say, yeah, we could try a little something with a tire. I guess the quick answer is I don't know. I don't like making changes to try to improve racing on a racetrack that we're going to run 245 days after the first race. Whatever they run there, 245 days later, they should run again, Yep. good or bad. Yep. So um, I would be shocked if anything changes. But it's Phoenix. Like, it's Phoenix. It's Racing isn't always two and three wide. Sometimes it's about being very, very good. Am I disappointed in the race? Like at Martinsville, do I want to see better racing? I would love to. It's a track I hold dear to my heart. Phoenix the same way. Um, but I, I just don't know. I'm not ready to blame it all on the rules. I don't, maybe it's the competitors. Maybe it's the tires. Maybe it's 
the way that, you know, maybe you talk about analytics. Yeah. Maybe it's analytics, yeah. right? You can't really unlearn stuff, so I, mean, I don't know. Yesterday it was the 11, and that Kyle Larson did say it when he was asked, what can they do to improve passing? He said, slow down the 11. That was his first answer. So that's so, so that's my fair yeah. question. So, so, yet, I am not on here to tell the race fan that that was a spectacular race. It was not. Right, right. What I'm saying on this podcast is that I have not gone back and looked at the analytics from ninth to – or from second to ninth to see if that looked like the leader. Like, I, I don't know. Like, did the guy after five laps – what I like to see is positions moved after five laps in a run. That's interesting to me. After five laps, who was able to move a position? That's all again for next year. A healthy discussion for 2020. But, but let's be clear about one thing. We can talk about the racing, but we can't talk about the racetrack enough. Yeah. Sold yeah. out. Yeah. Campers, it, yeah. as far as you could see, electric. Sunday morning in Phoenix was electric. It felt like we were at a playoff event. Like, I've done it. I've gone to all the big events, right? That one felt like it. It had the kind of chicken skin, edgier feet. Like, you're like, something's going down today. Like this is this is how it should be. That's I mean, that should be celebrated. Yeah. Why not? Let's crown a champion there. The community has embraced that track, uh, and they've embraced those 178 million dollars worth of renovations. And all we need is a great race, which I know we're also going to get. By the way, Sunday on NBC, Homestead Miami Speedway. I'm Everybody ready. should tune in and enjoy this. Got one. my pencil out, my calculator, ready to study my notes. All right, man. Thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Thank you. Our thanks again to Steve Latart for joining us on a very busy Monday. Coming back from Phoenix, he squeezed this in ahead of doing NASCAR America. And now, of course, he heads to South Florida to broadcast from Homestead Miami Speedway this weekend. It all comes down to this for the Xfinity and Cup Series. And NBC has you covered this weekend from Homestead Miami Speedway for the championship round. Starting on Friday, we've got Cup Practice, 3.30 p.m. Eastern on NBCSN. And then Final Cup practice at 6.30 p.m. Eastern, also on NBCSN. And then Saturday, we've got Cup qualifying for the championship race at Homestead Miami Speedway, 2 p.m. Eastern on NBCSN. That's Saturday. And that is followed by the Xfinity Series Countdown to Green show at 3 p.m. on NBCSN, leading into the Xfinity Championship Series finale for 2019. That begins shortly after 3.30 p.m. Eastern on NBCSN. And then Sunday, we've got the championship finale for the 2019 Cup Series. Martin Truex Jr., Kyle Busch, Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick all battling it out for the 2019 title. And our coverage gets underway. NASCAR America pre-race show on NBC at 1.30 p.m. Eastern, followed by Countdown to Green, also on NBC at 2 p.m. Eastern. And then the green flag for the final race of the 2019 season gets underway shortly before 3.30 p.m. Eastern on NBC. And that will be followed by post-race coverage going all the way through 7 p.m. And then moving over to NBCSN for another hour after that. So literally six and a half hours of Cup Series championship round coverage on Sunday on NBC and NBCSN. Be sure to check all of that out. The NASCAR NBC Podcast Playoff Edition is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you download your podcasts. And you can also check out the YouTube edition of this podcast on the Motorsports on NBC YouTube channel. Be sure to check that out. Subscribe. Lots of great content coming through there from both NASCAR America, our pre- and post-race shows, driver interviews, Splash and Go. A lot of great content that you can find on the Motorsports on NBC channel on YouTube. So become a subscriber. As always, you can send me feedback about the NASCAR on NBC podcast on Twitter 
at Nate Ryan is my handle. Thanks again for listening to the NASCAR and NBC podcast. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions.